This is Odyssey Geek. Brought to you by Smouse Miracle Water. It might taste like tap water. It might smell like tap water. It might be tap water. But trust me, you're drinking a miracle. Smouse Miracle Water. So expensive, you can taste it. Hey there, welcome to Odyssey Geek. I'm your host, Austin. The episode you're currently listening to is episode number 24. Today, I'm getting back to reviewing Odyssey episodes, and I'm going to be reviewing all six episodes from Album 71, A Slippery Slope. There's a lot to discuss, so let's get started. Alright, let's start out with the first episode on Album 71, The Team. Now, this is probably the first time I've ever kind of dreaded listening to an Odyssey episode. I was not looking forward to it. As I've said many times, I'm not a fan of Mori and Suzu, the Rydell saga, pretty much everything after the Rydell revelations. So I went in with it with really low expectations. Even with that, I don't think this was a great episode at all. It picks up right after Let's Call the Whole Thing Off, but I think it destroys any kind of hope that we had that the writers were addressing our concerns about the whole saga. Because Mori and Suzu just come after Emily after she just walks away. So I guess she didn't say no or yes or anything like that. She just walked away, which is great. She should have time to think about it. The two of them just don't take a hint. Again, they still haven't apologized. And their team sounds a lot like the Israelites. Especially with Whit being the one making this all come together. But the kind of stuff they're doing sounds even more unethical than what the Israelites did. I'm talking about the original Israelites, not what Jason had them do. Getting Cooper involved? Eh. I like Cooper, but I just don't think he was treated well in this episode. I think this whole thing of him trying to, you know, pretend like he's changing the grades when he's actually not, but still kind of breaking into the computer. I think someone said it's not illegal, but it's still unethical. Just because something is not illegal doesn't mean you should do it, and vice versa. And when Emily says at the end, yeah, you should tell your parents about it after they got away with it. They should have done that in the first place. Cooper's parents would understand, believe him, and then they could tell the principal. And then, if they got permission, Mori, Emily, and Suzu could do the whole thing, the whole setup, to try to get Seymour. But they don't. It's really convoluted. It does have some suspense with it, but at the same time, it was making me cringe inside. You shouldn't be trying to help friends or anybody cover up a bad thing. You're enabling them. Emily should have had her tell your parents line at the beginning. I know if we had that at the beginning, we wouldn't have gotten the whole story. I get it. But still, it's not right. There's so much about this is just, it's just not right. And even though I was happy to hear from Simon Jones for the first time in a long time, eh, he still was not written as a great dad, which should have told Emily's parents, Matthew's parents, what was going on, and I don't think Simon did enough to protect his daughter and making sure that these friends, quote-unquote, are good for her to hang around. Just because she might be a good influence doesn't mean that she should be around them. Odyssey has brought up a lot of things in the past about being careful who you choose to be your friends, bad companies corrupts good morals. So I hope we hear Simon Jones again outside of the Rodell Saga stuff. And by the end of the episode, we still don't know if Emily's going to join the team, which I still think she shouldn't. It ends with her calling Mr. Whitaker to talk, and I believe if the next episode does not have Wit apologizing for mistreating Emily, 
for lying to her, for putting her through all that trauma when he could have stopped it. I don't think there's going to be any redeeming this saga. Blake can be wrong sometimes. He's been wrong in the past, and he was definitely wrong in this way. I don't have a lot of hope that the next episode, I'm still going to listen to it with really low expectations, and hopefully that time I will be surprised in a good way. I know I've been pretty negative about this episode, but I will say the music for this was really great. The sound design was also really great as well. And really, that's the only thing that makes this episode worth listening to at all, in my opinion. I view this episode might change a little bit after listening to future episodes, but I kind of doubt it. So all that to say, I'll just give this episode two and a half stars out of five. Alright, moving on to Please Adjust Your Frequency. Now this episode was a very different episode. It's very different than all the other episodes in this album. It stands out because this is the only time we've had such a small cast. Zoe, Buddy, and Jay, not counting Chris at the end. I'm fairly certain this episode is probably one of those remotely recorded episodes, and it works really well. I can't tell if it was remotely recorded or not. Everybody sounded good. It didn't sound like any of them had different mic setups. I like when episodes like Unrelatable and this one take advantage of the challenges that the new recording setup has made for the Odyssey team, because sometimes really great stories can come out of really great challenges. In this episode, it's probably one of the funniest episodes Odyssey has done in a long time, probably since Rumpelstiltskin. I laughed I don't know how many times when I first listened to this episode, and it still makes me laugh. Jay's commercial about Smouse Miracle Water, all the sound effects of, you know, the door opening, stepping on the kitty cat, the vase breaking, and the cow, and the rooster. That was just, <laughs> that was just so much fun. It kind of reminds me a little bit of Unto As a Child is Born with Jimmy doing the different sound effects. And Vincent was great, even though you don't hear him. He's a great character, even though we don't hear him at all. And I like the idea that they were doing a radio drama for a school project, because around the time that I heard this episode, I was actually working on a radio drama for my senior capstone before I graduated from college. And it was a little bit of the same style of this episode. It was a detective story with a lot of comedy in it. By the way, if you want to hear that, it's called Matthias Falcon, Private Eye. You'll hear longtime guest host Michael LeFevre in it, along with some probably other familiar voices. So if you want to hear that, I'll put a link to it in the podcast notes. Anyway, I do wonder... Since they were kind of doing a kind of live radio drama, and these were actual things they were acting out, would that mean this is the first episode with Buddy that we haven't had one of his dream sequences? I mean, it kind of is, because it's outside of normal dialogue and that kind of stuff. I don't know. What do you all think about that? Let me know. The Jay pining after Zoe thing is getting really old. It's, it's outlived its welcome. And I wish that wasn't in this episode, but it wasn't as bad as some other episodes have been. It's also kind of cool hearing three different endings. That's a really cool thing to do for an Odyssey episode. I know sometimes we hear alternate endings that were produced that weren't in the final episode, but in this one we get to hear three different ones. And also I think it brought about the theme really well about cooperation, showing the best way to, you know, do give and take when doing group projects. It was also nice that Chris got to, you know, do more than just credits when that crow flew in the studio with that Jonathan Crow joke there. So there was really hardly anything that made me dislike this episode. Again, the Jay Zoe thing does kind of tick me off a little bit, but it's very minimal in this. It's not a main focus, and the good outweighs the bad so much that I'm going to give this episode five stars out of five. Okay, moving on to Higher Than Our Ways. I'm not positive, but I think this may be the first time Chris has done a printer warning on Odyssey. I believe she did one for an intro to the Last Chance Detectives audio dramas when they aired on the radio. 
I'm not sure why they didn't do the parental warning from Dave Arnold, but either way, it's a parental warning, so you know it's gotta be a good episode, and boy is it ever. I do have to say I love how it bookends with Olivia and Ava talking at the beginning and end. It's a great way to begin in the episode. I will have to say I was a little bit concerned when we had the anonymous donor thing happen about the ski trip. I was thinking, oh boy, is this the good in people again? And of course myself and others were thinking that Emily was going to get hurt, which we never do hear from her. But we do get Wilson again and Jason talking about the warning that Wilson got back in the Christmas Bells. I know some people have had problems with Wilson acting the way he did, being too protective or trying to stop something from happening. Like he's talking about hot chocolate and liver disease and that kind of stuff. Yeah, it was funny. And he was probably like grasping at straws. He's probably not very good at being inconspicuous and that kind of stuff. So I can understand why he would be like that. So we hear a bad accident happened. Of course, we were all thinking, <gasps> Emily! Which actually, when I saw the cover art for this album, and we were hearing about a girl falling from her faith, or a character falling from their faith, I was wondering if maybe it would be Barrett that would have gotten hurt. I thought that would be a really interesting way to have Emily have doubts and that kind of stuff. But you know what? I'm so happy that Emily had nothing to do with this. That has nothing to do with the Redell saga. Completely different. And it's Olivia. That was a great twist. And even though I think there could have been a little more weight if we actually knew the character that died, Mr. Norton, like if we had actually heard him in a few scenes before, or a character we heard a few times on Odyssey before, but still the impact is felt by the characters in the show. I have to say I teared up at the funeral when Trevor, the little boy, said he's just going to wake his dad up so Olivia can talk to him. Oh, that was so heartbreaking. And the inclusion of Miss Adelaide I think was really good. A lot of people don't like Miss Adelaide, or that she's too much of a stereotype, but I think she was very well utilized in this plot. She's very respectful, tries to tell Olivia, hey, you should be talking about this with your parents, and she only, you know, led her to Leonid Sepinov in a way after Olivia kind of made her do it. So I don't fault Miss Adelaide for doing what she was doing, and I don't think people get the impression that she's a villain in this story. I noticed in the next to last scene, I think it is, you hear the theme for Leonid Sepinov that we hear in the next episode as kind of an introduction to his character, even though we don't actually hear him himself. It's a very good Easter egg, I think. This episode was really great. I think it was a great start to the one of three of fall saga. I still have issues with the Christmas bells because it has that unnecessary part in there. Really, I don't think that was even needed for this episode to happen. I don't think we even needed Wilson trying to stop something from happening or whatever. I think this episode would have been just fine without it. But really, that's the only problem I have with this episode. I think it's a very well-written, great music. And also, I like how it doesn't end on a super happy note. It's a little more realistic that way. Especially since we're going to get, you know, several episodes after this that will continue it. It's a really good episode. I don't think it's the best of the saga. But it is very good. There are some better ones coming up. So I'll give this episode 4.5 stars out of 5. Now it's time to talk about Triple Decker Sunday. I like the setup at the very beginning. I think it's in the first scene. Olivia talks about not trying to eat so much junk food, which ties in later with the last scene. Again, great bookends. Great way to begin and end the episode. And we hear that Olivia is supposed to give her testimony at church, which I go to a small-ish church, probably not as big as the church that Olivia goes to. But testimonies in our church are more informal than what Wilson's wanting them to do. So we have a time in almost every service where everybody in the congregation can stand up and tell what the Lord's done for them that day or how the Lord saved them, things like that. 
But I guess for bigger churches, it may be kind of hard for people to do that. I try not to think of Odyssey's church as being like a mega church kind of thing because it is a small town and there are other churches. I think three or four other ones, if I'm not mistaken. That aspect was a little bit foreign to me, but I had enough context to realize what was happening. And I think it was a great choice that Lena Tsepanov is not a real person. Marshall Younger has talked about it, how he didn't want to use a real atheist philosopher for people to go look up. It makes a lot of sense. And also when you do that, you get to make up his backstory. Now I know some people had issues with Leonid Sepinov as a whole, with his comedy, and that he was hanging around Olivia as her imaginary friend. I don't have a problem with that at all. It's a great storytelling technique, because if you didn't have him, you'd have Olivia talking to herself a lot, and it's a way for us to hear her thoughts in a dramatic way. And as we find out later, Leonid Sepinov isn't just her imagination, it's actually a spiritual force. And yeah, he is kind of comedic, and I think that there's two reasons for that. This is really serious stuff, and you need to have a little bit of humor to make things a little bit light, otherwise it'll get too dark. And also, the devil can come as an angel of light. If he was, you know, very oppressive and mean-spirited and all this kind of stuff at first, Olivia probably wouldn't have listened to him as much. Because he was kind of being kind of playful and cheerful and that kind of stuff, she was more receptive to hear what he said. There is so much great music in this episode. It is very, very good. Especially with the scenes with Olivia and Leonid. And we come to the point where Olivia is about to give her testimony and Zoe kind of knows that she's not ready to do it. She doesn't want her to fake it. So Zoe gives her testimony instead. And it is awful that Olivia lies about, you know, what's going on. This is one thing I'm going to bring up here. I know this episode has a lot about talking about falling from faith. And I think there's a lot more to it than that. I know Odyssey's audience is very diverse. A lot of different denominations and different kind of churches listen to it. So I'm sure the writers were trying to make sure they kept things a little more generalized on what Olivia was going through. Because really from this episode onward, I don't believe Olivia is a saved individual at all. Because I believe you can backslide and lose your salvation. I know that because that's happened to me in the past a couple times. And I knew I was doing things that a Christian shouldn't be doing. And even though I had the Holy Spirit convict me about things, I was still doing those things. I believe if you willingly sin and don't repent of it right away and continue in that, you're not a Christian anymore. You have to get saved again. And you can get to the point where you won't be doing that all the time or at all. You can still make mistakes, but you can get to a point where you're not wanting at all to do those things. So I know people may have issues with these episodes being kind of vague on some things, I think that was intentional, but you can still glean a lot of good teaching out of these episodes. Anyway, back to this episode. And then Olivia overhears Wilson and Zoe talking about her, and she assumes that Zoe told him everything, which he kind of already knew. So I don't think she necessarily broke confidence to a certain extent, since he already kind of knew. One thing I think was a little bit out of place was the overlapping of the conversation there at the end, where Wilson's talking... Zoe's talking, Olivia's talking. You can hear them all talking over each other. I'm not sure if there's a good way to make it sound better, but it seemed a little bit, I don't know, maybe if their voices were more muffled or something, or more, or maybe less clear. I don't know, because you can hear all their lines pretty well talking over each other, but at the same time, it sounds kind of, I don't know, almost unnatural. But it's not a big deal. It may just be me that's thinking that. And then we actually hear about another ice cream place in Odyssey. Or is it an Odyssey? JT's Ice Cream and Bakery. Because I don't think we've ever heard about another ice cream place in town before, if I'm not mistaken. So it might be in Connellsville or maybe Odenton or something like that. I don't know if we'll hear it again in the future or not. 
And then Olivia orders the triple decker Sunday, and Leonid approves of that. And Olivia has this kind of cold voice agreeing with him, which I think is, again, a great bookend to the episode. There's nothing sinful in her eating that Sunday, but it's just a small little thing where she was letting down on some stuff in her life, physically and spiritually. Now, sometimes Chris's wrap-ups aren't always the greatest. Chris always does a great job. She reads what the writers give her. But this was a really great one where she talks about how John the Baptist, even though he had met Jesus, he had baptized Jesus, he still wondered if Jesus was the Messiah. And I never thought too much about that before. I think that was something very great to bring up and her response to all that. So this episode, I think, is better than the last episode. I don't think there's anything about it I really disliked a whole lot. I think the when a three will fall line kind of thing is very minimal in this. Wilson's still involved. Jason isn't. It stands a little bit more on its own, I think. And the acting, the writing, the music is just so good. And it just continues the storyline, makes it, makes it more deep. It's just really great. I think I'll give this episode five stars out of five. All right, two more episodes to go. So we come to the next episode, Set of Watchmen. And this episode kind of surprised me because there's no parental warning on it. But I understand why. This episode wasn't quite as deep on the doubts and everything from Olivia's point of view. It's an episode that focuses more on Zoe this time. At the beginning of the episode, I did wonder, like, who is Zoe writing to? I wasn't quite sure. It didn't really sound much like she was journaling or something like that. And it was nice to hear her characters go to Camp Wadena again. And this time for a winter retreat. I'm not sure if we've ever had any winter episodes at Camp Wadena before. I'm not, I'm not positive about that. I will say I did like the Wildcat Joe and the Badgers subplot. Great opportunity for humor without being, you know, over the top. I don't know. I felt that Olivia would be a lot more standoffish than she actually was from Zoe, especially since the last episode ended so abruptly with, you know, her storming out. I was kind of surprised how friendly she was. They could still tell she's been kind of cold about everything, not just because of the weather. This episode does give me some flashbacks to Life in the Third Person, where Elaine and Rachel go to the retreat at the Timothy Center, and Rachel not really wanting to hear what's being preached or taught. It's not a total copy, it's just kind of similar. Uh, and I feel so bad for Zoe when she accidentally cuts herself. And Natalie Lander playing Zoe, she did such a great job with this episode. Really great acting. And we find out that she was fasting and praying for Olivia. And I don't think we ever heard this before that she had diabetes. So yeah, that's not a safe thing to do. But still, I know she was concerned about her friend and wanted to do whatever she could for her. And I think this episode does a little bit better with dealing with fasting a little bit more than fast as I can. That episode is a lot more comedic. This one was a lot more... I think it was handled with a little more seriousness, even though they don't talk about it a whole lot. But I'm glad they had that aspect in this episode. And Connie, she reminds me how she was a lot during the Strasbourg separation saga. It shows how much Connie has grown, where she can give advice and listen and really help people out. And it doesn't need to be wit doing all of that. When Connie gives a story about Linda, a lady that had helped her spiritually and then fell away, I didn't know that was autobiographical. But I think in one of the official podcasts, Marshall Younger talked about Abigail Geiger that wrote this episode. She wrote that part in there because she had a similar situation happen with a friend of hers. And again, we don't have a full resolution from Olivia, but we do get some resolution from Zoe. And we come to the end and we find out that Zoe's writing this out kind of as a prayer to God. And I love how she ends with, you know, good night, Lord. Amen. It makes it so, makes it so personal, I think. I know we should be talking to God out loud, and she kind of was reading it out loud. I think that's a way that we overlook sometimes, where writing prayers out to God can be a really good thing. 
I mean, a lot of the Psalms from the Bible were prayers that David and others wrote to God. So I think that's something as Christians we might try to practice more. And back to what I was saying about Abigail Geiger writing this episode, I did not know this episode was written by Abigail Geiger. When I first listened to it, I thought it was Marshall Younger writing it since he had written the other two episodes. But she did such a great job keeping that same kind of style and feeling with the characters from the previous two episodes. The continuity really works. So this episode was probably... I don't know. I think it had me the stakes felt a little bit lower than the other two episodes before this. But I don't think there's anything in this episode that really needed to be improved at all. It's kind of, it's a little more low-key, but that doesn't make it a bad episode. Even though it's not my favorite, I still see how good it is. So again, I'm going to give this episode 5 stars out of 5. And we come to the last episode in album 71, Worth It. I was pretty excited to hear this episode when I found out that it was going to be a Bible story and Imagination Station episode. We haven't had one of those, I think, since David and Absalom, maybe? And I'm glad it was in a mainstream album, too, and not just in the club. And this is the first we hear from Wit in this story arc. And I believe Wit was written really well. As I've said and others have said, Wit can be written very differently depending on the writer. And Marshanger does a great job with making Wit true to his character and also not being just somebody that just spouts advice. I like Olivia's talk about, you know, Wit has this look. <laughs> I think she talks about, you know, like when he's about to say something to them about something. And Wit is very respectful. He's very tactful, talking to her about her doubts and stuff like that. I think Olivia brings up probably the most popular question that people have when it comes to God. Basically, why does God let bad things happen? And Wit has a great question in response to that. Does God want to remove all pain from our lives? And that's such a unique way to look at it a unique question to ask and of course we do hear more about that later but it's interesting olivia does ask for imagination station adventure she's not manipulated into it she asks for it and i just want to say the actors for the people in the bible story were great i can't remember the guy's name that plays ezra our cast included billy commits and unfortunately the ao wiki at the time of this recording is having issues so it's difficult to find that information right now but he did such a great job i hope we get to hear the actor again in a future role and also the actress that plays lydia ezra's mother claudia christian she did such a great job as well and i don't think i've ever heard anybody talk about this but the line where i believe the mother talks about saying hope is an enemy that just that's really powerful like hope because people have hoped so much for other things to happen and it doesn't happen. Hope itself isn't an enemy. It's a it's a gift. There's that verse in the Bible where it talks about, you now faith is a substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. I've heard it taught in my church that if you have a little bit of hope, you have a little bit of faith. And if you feel like you don't have any faith, but you have a little bit of hope, you do have a little bit of faith. And that is so comforting. Hope isn't an enemy, it's a gift. And I really liked how this episode gives us a visual description of how Olivia looks in a way that makes sense for an audio drama. We can't see Olivia's face, we can only hear what she's saying. But when Lydia describes Olivia as some of the things that she said written down, pretty, gentle features, face welcoming, fresh and exciting. And then she describes her eyes are empty behind them. She looks lost, like being in a new dark place, feeling around, nothing to hold on to. That was so, wow, that was just some great, great writing, great acting there. And it gives us a picture of how Olivia is feeling and looking like. 
And I love the conversation where Ezra talks about smelling the sunset. He's noticing the things that happen around him at sunset. Even though he can't see the sunset, he can enjoy the things that associate with that. And also with Lydia talking about how much she loves her son. She seems kind of harsh, but she loves him so much. And since he's blind, she shares that darkness. And I was kind of surprised that we get to hear Jesus play by Dave Arnold again. I know he doesn't like, I think in the past he said he's not a fan of doing that. But I think Dave Arnold played Jesus in BTV Trinity. And this one he plays him like he plays him in the Imagination Station, the original Imagination Station episodes. And I think that was great continuity. It's great hearing Dave Arnold in this episode. And I love how we get into the discussion about, you know, who sinned that led to the blind man being blind. And also Lydia's response about, you know, is God selfish? Like letting him go through all this just so God could be glorified. I don't think I never thought much about that before this episode. Oh, the scene where Ezra does get healed, like describing that feeling and him seeing stuff or starting to see stuff. I don't know about you, but I could really put myself in his place. And I was almost experiencing it as it was happening to him. I think it's probably the best scene in the episode and probably one of the best scenes in all of Odyssey. It is it is so great. Again, great acting, music, and writing there. And I love the line from Lydia, too, where she says, you know, it's far brighter than it's ever been. And it's interesting. And I'm glad they didn't do it. But Olivia doesn't talk to Jesus, which I'm glad because... Again, this is the Imagination Station. It's not really Jesus. So talking to him and her state probably wouldn't have been the best thing. Talking to the computer program that way. She needs to get to the point where she's talking to the real Jesus and praying to him. I'm so glad that they didn't have any interactions between the two there. And of course, Olivia is wondering and questioning these things. And she asks Ezra, you know, was that single moment worth it? You know, being blind all your life and then going to see, was it worth it? Ezra talks about, you know, seeing his mother smile like that and the miracle that happened, you know, that he felt that it was worth it, which we get the name of the episode from that. And again, it's just speculation of what we think that he might have said, but we do know that he was rejoicing and was so overjoyed to have his sight back, praising God, thanking Jesus. It sounds like he felt it was worth it. I mean, not hear that, but I think for the rest of his life, he was very happy for that moment. And I think when God gives you that moment, that miracle, when things finally work out, that all the pain and suffering you had to go through, you may still regret having to go through that, but the sting of that is lessened so much when God steps in and lets you know he is there and helps you in your situation. And then we come to the end where Olivia's outside the imagination station talking to Wit, and I love these points that Wit brings out. God is always fair and just and good, even things we don't think are good, good means what's best for us. It may not be what we want, but it's best for us. And also, God thinks in eternity. God's outside of time. He knows all of our lives. And also that we look through a narrow scope. We have a very narrow view of what's happening. I'm going to interject some of my thoughts here too. You know, whatever, whatever we face down here on earth, if it brings us closer to God, if it gets us to the point where we finally accept Jesus' salvation, and we make it to heaven, we're not going to remember all the hard stuff. No matter how bad it was, we're not going to remember it. We're not going to feel that pain anymore. So even if we have bad situations happen to us like Job, heaven's going to be worth it. It's going to be worth anything it costs. 
And I've heard it said in my church lots of times, you know, heaven is cheap at any cost. No matter what you have to give up, no matter what you have to go through, if you make it to heaven, it's going to all be worth it. And we come to the end of the episode, and Wit tells Olivia something happened that you're not telling, something beyond Mr. Norton's death, which we never knew anything about that. And it leaves us wondering, what is it? Like, what, how, like, what is she dealing with beyond that? So it leaves us, you know, a little bit of a cliffhanger there. But it's encouraging to hear that Olivia appreciates Wit's prayers. And again, Chris's wrap-up is really good in this episode. And I love this line. I wrote it down. I think I have it verbatim here. If life is hard or things seem unfair, choose to smell the sunset as you wait to see God's blessing through new eyes. That is just so, so profound. So I will say I'm a teensy bit disappointed that this episode is part of a longer story arc it doesn't stand alone like other bible episodes are but i don't think it's on the level of the christmas bells that one the one of through fall is not integral to the plot really and it's a story that's not very well known at all while this story from the bible is so i'm okay with it being imagination station bible episode that's tied into an arc that doesn't work on its own but i don't think that brings this episode's enjoyment factor down any this episode made me <laughs> It made me tear up quite a bit during those scenes in the Imagination Station. It is powerful stuff. This episode stands out so well. It does so much. This is a great episode, I think. Even if people haven't heard all the other episodes before this, it's good if they do, and it's really great if they hear the ones after this one. But I think it tackles the, you know, why does God let bad things happen, or bad things happen to good people? I think this is a great episode to share with people if they're having those same questions. So yeah, this episode is probably one of the best Odyssey episodes ever. I don't think I'm being hyperbolic about that. This is really, really, really good stuff. So I have no qualms at all at giving this episode five stars out of five. It really deserves it. Overall, I really enjoy this album. It's almost a perfect album, in my opinion. If it wasn't for the team, if that was pushed to a different album, and maybe an episode from album 70 like The Protector or even The Christmas Bells was put on this album, this would be the best sixth episode album up to this point. But that aside, there's a lot of great things happening in this album, some really memorable episodes, and episodes I'm sure they'll be classics. Well, that wraps up my discussion of Album 71. I'll be reviewing Album 72 in the future, but in the meantime, why don't you tell me what you thought of Album 71? What were your favorite and least favorite episodes from it? What did you think of the Olivia story arc? You can let me know by emailing me at odysseygeek at gmail.com. You can find me on social media and let me know there. You'll find me on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at odysseygeek. That's O-D-Y-S-E-Y-G-E-E-K. I know I talk about this a lot, but make sure to subscribe to the podcast. That way you'll be the first to know when Odyssey Geek episodes come out. Make sure to tell the Odyssey Geeks in your life about this podcast. And you can get Odyssey Geek merch as well. You'll find a link to that in the podcast notes. That's all for now. This is Austin signing off. Thank you.